Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business. Maybe you need them all. Maybe you need just some. But they'll find you exactly the right insurance that fits you, your life, your situation. They'll do everything they can to save you money. And they may be able to do it with bundles. They are the insurance experts. They take care of it every step of the way. It's Purdy Insurance. Market Street and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new inventory. It's a good day maybe to check it out online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. It was high-level hoops at 20 paces in Columbus, and inside Michigan got the job done. Brooks, new shot clock on top. Livers tees one up from three. Another miss. Another offensive rebound for Brown. Unbelievable. Wow. out there on him. Young is on Dickinson. Down low, they got Mike Smith. Oh, Dickinson is there. In a thicket. Oh, my goodness. Kevin Harlan with a call. Brown, of course, the transfer out of Wake Forest. I remember seeing him last year play against Penn State at Wake. When I saw he was transferring to Michigan, I thought, you know what? He won't be a starter, but this guy's going to help him. Well, that guy's helping him. No getting around it. He's a good shooter. Not just a good rebounder, good shooter as well. All right. Time to talk some wrestling. If you can't get Kale Sanderson on the show, and we've already had Kale on this calendar year, you can turn to Jeff Byers. Jeff, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Yeah, I'm always uh, always nice to be on with you. And, yeah, it is <laughs> uh, definitely a different scenario where your uh, home opener is the season finale. <laughs> it's not often when your home opener is senior day. <laughs> no, indeed. <laughs> what a crazy year. But the key, how many of the wrestlers, all told, Jeff, have the minimum four where they could qualify for a wild card? Yeah, I think all of the the well, all of the kids they're projecting now as uh, as starters, with the exception of Robbie Howard, uh, right, have met the threshold. Uh, and you know, the one thing I, I honestly don't know, Steve, and I'm guessing they're uh, working with Maryland to, to at least get Robbie that extra bout here tonight. Uh, I don't know. It was a re- weird situation on Friday where Tom, Tom Ryan and Ohio State didn't want to. Uh, have any extra matches, which obviously uh, was not what Penn State was uh, hoping for. So I'm I'm guessing, although I don't know with certainty, but I'm guessing that they'll get Robbie Howard at, uh, another yeah. bout tonight, just to again give a little bit of uh, cushion there for the possibility of 
you know, COVID uh, situation developing between now and the Big Ten tournament with any individuals. But uh, I believe with with tonight's action, uh, then everybody will be covered. I think Beard is at three right now. Just trying to think through the the rest of that. I think all of the other starters have at least four already. Right. Uh, so I think with tonight, everybody with the with the dual meet would have uh, four except for Robbie Howard. And again, I'm sure they're at least working to try to get Howard an extra bout tonight. Why wouldn't Ryan just have exhibitions? I mean, he's got other guys on his roster too. I'm sure he just wants to get experience. I, that's I I would think that Steve. I I really don't know. There's been. Uh, there's been some weird things with, with him over the years, and no. you know, I get trying to get a competitive no. Uh, no. advantage, but <laughs> but this one I don't. I, I really don't understand. I mean, everybody, uh, you know, you'd think is just trying to help out and and yeah. help the sport here and help the kids. And and you're right. He's. I mean, he's hurting his own kids in in that regard. I, I'm really not sure what that was about on, on Friday. Can, can, I want to get to a big picture thing for a moment. As brilliant a job as you do on radio, and you do. Uh, as I said, you're the best I've ever heard uh, when it comes to wrestling. The wrestling ratings on BTN, which went up a lot last year, are up 26% this year. I mean, yeah. up 26%. What are we seeing groundswell-wise? Because you're not just building it from the diehard. It sounds like more of the casual fan is getting really hooked on what's going on out there. Yeah, I think a couple of things are are happening, Steve, and and I, it's one of those things where you're you're hoping that the uh, powers that be that that kind of run wrestling here at the the collegiate level uh, can can take this and run with it a little bit, but the caliber of wrestling is as good if not better now than it's ever been meaning that these kids are coming into college already really seasoned and really proficient at at what they're doing uh you know over the years and it's happening with all sports or just about all sports but you know a lot of these kids now uh, most of the kids that are competing collegially have been wrestling uh throughout the, the course of the year uh, against kids from all over the country. They're going to at least uh, a tournament or two, and in many cases to many tournaments, uh, where they're facing kids from all over the, the country. So that, you know, they're getting the uh, – it, it's not a situation where, like when I was growing up, I, you know, if you were – you might go to a tournament where you saw some other kids from neighboring states. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, how, you wouldn't have any idea how you would match up with a, a David Taylor if you were living in Texas or California. Well, now, you know, certainly most of the, if not all of the, the upper echelon kids and uh, and really even on down, uh, they're facing each other in these tournaments. And the coaching at the high school and the club level uh, is extremely good right now. So, so these kids are coming in, and you're seeing, you know, over the last decade or so, a lot of uh, freshmen, certainly at Penn State, but really throughout the country, make an impact uh, right away because they're they're kind of ready to go uh, at this level. I also think that the the fact that freestyle and folk style wrestling are uh, a little closer now, I think, in terms of the rules and what they're promoting. They're both really advocating takedowns. They're both advocating uh, offensive oriented wrestling. Uh, and and the rules are rewarding uh, offensive wrestling. And listen, I, there's, I'm not going to sit here and tell you every match you tune into is uh, is a barn burner. You still have too many sure. of the 
you know, three one bouts where, you know, everybody's afraid to pull the trigger. But I think you're getting more entertaining wrestling across the board. And I think, uh, you know, the exposure has, has been great. I mean, from ESPN with the, the, the Nationals and uh, the increased exposure there, and obviously what the Big Ten Network uh, has done is, is helping expose the average sports fan to more wrestling. And I think, again, as the product – uh, hopefully continues to evolve as uh, as far as the excitement level goes and you get more of the big moves and, uh, you know, big names and personalities. I, I, I do think there's a chance here for the sport to capitalize. I'm, I'm just hoping, again, that the, the powers that be uh, recognize that opportunity and, and pounce on it from a financial standpoint. Well, just so you know, I mean, I've done a, an NIT game with Siena where in regulation the final was 105 to 103, and I've also done a Big Ten tournament game where the final score was 36-33. So, look, I yeah. <laughs> okay. So every sport has their action games and has the one where it's just a grind to the finish. Okay, so sure. every yep. sport has that. They all do. Uh, who would be in the category of, okay, I thought this guy would be good, but he's a little bit better than I thought he'd be. You know, for me, Steve, Michael Beard, and, and listen, he came in with all of the credentials in the world, and the resume was very impressive. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people are going to say, well, yeah, the fact that he's ranked, whatever he is, 14th or 16th in the country, uh, is, isn't uh, all that big of a deal. I'm telling you, that ranking is, is way too low uh, for him. Mm-hmm. Just watching him in the room last year, Steve, I, I, he was good and he's talented, but I wasn't sure he had the consistency uh, that was going to be needed to succeed at this level. Uh, and I wasn't sure about the, the mindset in terms of being able to score uh, big points, uh, again, consistently. He was certainly able to do it in, uh, in many of the open tournaments last year, but I, I just was not sure exactly where he would fit in on the national uh, picture. I, to me, he's a surefire All-American this year, and I'm not sure with the, some of the lessons he's picked up here uh, that he's not going to be uh, pretty high up on, on the podium when it's all said and done. So I, I've been really impressed with just the consistency and, and kind of his ability to take it uh, to the next level this year. And, Steve, i got to tell you, Robbie Howard has just been remarkable yeah. to me. And, and, again, I get that he came in with a, a lot of credentials and a great resume, but I don't know if people are understanding. He has not been on the mat. Forget against outside competition. He has not been on the, uh, the mat here in the room uh, wrestling live uh, for more than a month now. And I don't care who you are. I, you know, you go back over the years, the Bo Nichols and the Jason Nolfs and uh, you know, David Taylor, when he first came in, Tyler Sanderson was, was handling him uh, in the room. Now, that changed by about mid-February of, of Taylor's uh, true freshman season, and you could start to see, man, this guy <laughs> really does know how to put the points together. But there's a transition period there, even for the best of them, that Robbie Howard simply hasn't had. And I was really impressed with what he did against Malik Heinzelman in the loss on Friday night. And I think there's just some little technical adjustments that he's going to be able to make with the help of the coaching staff. I, I'm, I think anything they get out of him this year is, is just a bonus. And, again, it's not because he's not talented enough to make a, an imprint at this level. It's just that he hasn't had the opportunity to work. 
at, at this level. And I think his future is very bright, but uh, I'm starting to think he might be able to score some points and, and possibly even get on the podium here uh, if he's able to continue to progress uh, the way he has just through this uh, first week of his collegiate career. Well, guys like Brooks, Roman Bravo, Young, Lee are expected to make deep runs. Are they showing any sign of anything except that right now? No, and I, I'll tell you, Roman has just, he's the guy that just keeps jumping levels, uh, you know, year to year, and, and he is certainly a national title contender. It's a terrific weight class, and there's probably five guys there that uh, I, I think are legit national title contenders, and you never know, somebody can get a hot tournament as well. But I mean, uh, he, he's right there and, you know, could finish anywhere from first to fifth, and, and it wouldn't be uh, shocking. But his his consistency right now and, and his ability to, uh, as we saw Friday night, when the opportunity is there to, to get bonus points, man, he just hammers it home. And, yeah. you know, same thing with Nick Lee and Aaron Brooks. They're, they're both just significantly better wrestlers than they were at this time a year ago, and obviously they were both among the contenders a year ago. I know when I had a chance to talk with Kale a couple of weeks ago, uh, he said, you know, the opportunity is open because of the, quote, free year. that You're going to see everybody throw out, even in an Olympic year, their guys. Yeah. Uh, are you? Is that what we're seeing? Are we seeing the best of wrestling right now in the collegiate level because of that? Yeah. You, you know, it, it's tempered a little bit only because there's a, a – few guys uh and you know next ariana would probably top the the list of uh names that are uh not competing collegiately because they just want to focus on the uh the olympic games and uh training for that sure. but right. uh and it's also tempered because of the the ivy league uh, situation and, and obviously in wrestling the ivy league is a big player and it's not just cornell although cornell from a team standpoint you know, you're looking at a team that that can certainly contend at least for a top five finish. That's that's not competing, and you know a lot of individuals there that would be competing for uh, certainly all America honors, if not higher, throughout the Ivy League. So you're hurt by that. But in terms of the the teams that are competing, yes, you, for the most part, you're getting all of the the top guys. Uh, and as you said, it's it's basically a free year. Uh, so why not take advantage of that opportunity? And even if you have a kid that uh, you know maybe isn't quite ready in, in your mind to be uh, all they could be as a you know as a true freshman, you'd normally uh, let them sit this year and get that experience. But why not let them get that experience and see what kind of points they they can put up for you if that's your best option? Uh, and so yeah, I do think overall this is uh, this is going to be a great year. I think next year. Uh, Steve has a chance to just be one of the most dynamic years in terms of top-end wrestling that we'll ever see in the sport. Right. Uh, la- uh, last March, it was supposed to be, obviously, uh, at U.S. Bank Stadium, which would have been one of those almost awe-inspiring sights to see. Yep. I don't know, 40, 50, 60,000? I don't know uh, what, it, what it would have been like. Now, I think, what, this year's St. Louis, correct? So, Correct. Yeah. Any talk that U.S. Bank Stadium gets back into the mix or something of that size to give it a shot because they missed out on it this past time? Yeah, I think they will get get back there. I think there is a push, and I think the uh, you know both the NCAA and the, the National Wrestling Coaches Association wants to 
to see that opportunity play out and, and just uh, again it may be a situation where you do it once and you say yeah you know what that that didn't work you're just too far away and uh, but I think you, you want to give it a try. You want to see, hey, what, what's it going to be like, as you said, if you get 40000 50000 uh, in there, and is it something that with the way wrestling is, uh, is growing right now, is it something that you could you know, sustain on a consistent basis that would make it worthwhile? And is the experience uh, you know, beneficial enough for fans that they'd be willing to, to come back and go to it? So... Um, I'd be very surprised if you don't see uh, the Nationals uh, in Minneapolis and at U.S. Bank Stadium sometime within the next uh, four-year cycle, which would be you know sometime between the 2024 and 2027 NCAA championships. Personal opinion, we all know what the financial state is right now across the board. Everybody knows that right now. That's why I'd rather see it sooner rather than later. I mean, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't affect Penn State. This has nothing to do with affecting Penn State. Penn State's fine, but you know, I I, I think it, it, I think it's important to, to make an attempt to drive home a point. How about that? Yeah, I, I think it's crucial, Steve. I and I think you know, there's a lot of things that uh, that the sport needs to do to kind of help itself. I, I think from a fundraising standpoint and just kind of outside the box thinking i think uh you know this this coming fall if, if we are back to uh being able to have in in person events i do think scheduling more uh matches at a football stadium and and trying to again yeah. generate some excitement and uh you know what what kale and uh, a lot of the the coaches are doing with these uh you know regional training center events uh, which the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club has another one coming up tomorrow night, but I think that's a, a great way to yeah. try to continue to grow the uh, the sport and, and build fan interest and, you know, really make it a more financially uh, viable model uh, and and create some other revenue streams uh, for the, yeah. the sport in general and, and for colleges in particular. I think there's some you know, off-season opportunities there if uh, if they're smart about it, and if the NCAA can uh, you know get on board and, and cooperate with it, I, I don't think all of these have to be just freestyle events. Right. I think you could do a college match or two between regional training centers, and you know, make it a big deal, yeah. uh, or make you know maybe leave it as a freestyle event, right. but you know, match up like Penn State kind of did with North Carolina State there, and uh, and get people tuned in and, and excited about those matchups or supplemental uh, video opportunity. Now you'd have to work with BTM with that, but supplemental yeah. video opportunity for people to see a non-conference matchup, for example, yeah. and you know, something like that is absolutely financially viable. But you have to be creative with it, and you have to be you have to be dedicated to do it. Yeah, and I, you know, another thing I'd, I'd like to see, Steve, and I've been advocating for a while, and I haven't really seen. <laughs> I keep hoping uh, somebody will, will push it, but I, I really think if you follow the the basketball model of of getting some of those early season uh, intriguing tournaments to destination spots, uh, right? And oh, in great! Wrestling, Here's another guy uh, that wants to go to the Virgin Islands in November. Absolutely I, right. I, I knew it, Byers. Absolutely <laughs> right. No, Hawaii, Steve. You've got to get the, the wrestling community built up. In, Absolutely. In Hawaii. So, 
But but listen, you you have strong high school. I mean, really yeah. strong high school wrestling in Florida, yeah. uh, with no college uh, opportunity right. in the state. There, Georgia has right. some really good high school wrestling. Texas is really coming on with with, uh, with high school wrestling. None of those uh, states have Division One college wrestling. If, if you and I listen, combine it with a UFC event, combine it with whatever, something else, but bring, you know, four to eight of the top teams in the country Las, there. Las Vegas. For an, for an early season, yeah. For an early season matchup, draw fans, get it, make it a, a big TV event, and, and, and bring some of the ADs, you know, target a couple of schools that, hey, we think we could make this uh, financially viable for. You know these schools get the ads in there. Uh, you know, give away tickets to, to some of the high schools and and whatever. But make it a big time uh, early season event, and I think you, you can again showcase the sport. Uh, try to market it to some people that maybe you, you need to to see if you can continue to grow it at the collegiate level right. instead of constantly worrying about the uh, programs dropping. And I, I just think things like that. It doesn't necessarily need to be that, but I mean, I, right. I think. Again, creating some opportunities here to capitalize on what you have and, and try to focus on growth rather than just trying to survive and sustain. Very quickly, uh, just one, one quick story. A couple of years ago, Penn State played a basketball tournament in Cancun. So I'm doing the quarterback club, and I mentioned, hey, I won't be here next week. It was Thanksgiving week. I said, uh, you know, I, I think Brian was going to do it. And I said, um, I've got a basketball tournament. Somebody said, where? I said, it's in Cancun. Of course, the crowd went, oh. I said, excuse me. I said, in my career, I've done three holiday basketball tournaments in Milwaukee, two in Brooklyn, <laughs> one in Casper, Wyoming. I said, I earned my Cancun trip. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so they heard Casper, Wyoming, they went, oh. <laughs> yeah. Jeff, always great to hear from you. You're the best. Appreciate it very much. Thanks, Steve. Always appreciate the time. Uh, Jeff Byers, best, outstanding, a true story. I, I, I said, look, I've done three tournaments, holiday tournaments in Milwaukee. And I was also the crowd went, Ugh. I said, in two in Brooklyn, I went, Ugh. I said, in one in Casper, Wyoming. At that point, I won the crowd. In fact, I think they were willing to pay for me to go to Cancun. <laughs> I would hope so. Geesh. Uh, the one in the one in Casper, Wyoming. Headline in the paper because I mean it was windy there every day, and the I'm talking about winds thirty to fifty miles an hour. Headline in the paper: Two semis blow over on I-25. I'm like, oh my! <laughs> I'm not. That's not a joke. That is not a joke. True that story. That just explains it. I just sat there and go, oh Oy. my goodness. Ah, <sighs> then lost a game when the game went to overtime on a three-point shot from 40 feet that was banked in. Okay. And of then play then played Gonzaga for third place, lost by six. <sighs> then went on a, then went on a pretty good streak after that and got to the NIT. All right. We will come back with more in a moment. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto Home Life Business. 
Whatever your needs may be, they'll find the right insurance for you, and they'll do so by finding the best price because they know darn well that your budget means everything to you. It's all at Purdy Insurance Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online, which on this particular day is probably the best way to check it out, online at sunburymotors.com. Great to have you with us on the show today. Kevin Mather, uh, the president of the Seattle Mariners, resigned. He spoke to a Rotary Club back on February 5th, and he made some comments which were then released uh, Sunday. Uh, And... Part of it was he admitted the team manipulates service time and that he criticized a player's English. Now, everyone knows that service time is manipulated. Everyone knows that. I mean, the Chris Bryant story has been out there forever. He's not the only one. I mean, you know, Gregory Polanco. I mean, you know, guy's a really great prospect, but suddenly he's like April 30th. The dude's still not playing for you. All right? Everybody knows that. He was speaking to the Bellevue Breakfast Rotary Club. He indicated the club was not going to call up their top prospects last season for for service time reasons no matter what. Okay? If our major league team had a COVID outbreak or injuries and we had to call people up from the taxi squad, we were a little short on players because there was no chance that you were going to see our young players at T-Mobile Park. That's where the Mariners play. We weren't going to put them on the 40-man roster. We weren't going to start the service time clock. There were all kinds of reasons. If we would have had an injury problem or COVID outbreak, you would have seen my big tummy out there in left field. You would not have seen our young players, our prospects, playing at T-Mobile Park. Right? Now, we all know that that happens, but you know teams don't admit that. Um, they were asked, He was asked about... Jared Kalenic, top prospect. Um, and then also Evan White. And top pitching prospect Logan Gilbert. Very good player. Quite frankly, we think he's going to be a superstar when he was talking about Kalenic. We control his major league career for six years, and after six years, he'll be a free agent. We'd like him to get a few more at bats in the minor leagues, probably a triple A for a month. Then he will likely be in left field for us. Uh, part of the next six or seven years, then he'll be a free agent. He won't uh, commit beyond his free agent years. Now, the part he said about Gilbert, he says, you won't see him on April 1st, but by mid-April you'll see a young man named Logan Gilbert. He's the real deal. Mather then offered an apology in a statement on Sunday night. Now, part of the problem, too, is what he said about one of the pitchers on the team when it came to English. And uh, Mather complained about having to play Asashi Iwakuma's translator and said prospect Julio Rodriguez's English was not tremendous. 
He claimed Major League teams lost $2.9 billion in 2020. So while this majority of this story talks about the service time stuff, okay, um, many people have focused on the communication skills of some of the players and what he said about them. The Major League Baseball Players Association uh, released this. The club's video presentation is a highly disturbing yet critically important window into how players are genuinely viewed by management, not just because of what was said, but also because it represents an unfiltered look into club thinking. It is offensive, and it's not surprising that fans and others around the game are offended as well. Players remain committed to confronting these issues at the bargaining table and elsewhere. All right. So, let's get into that. I've I've always been critical of, look, if the guy's good enough to play, play him. You owe it to your fans to play him. You owe it to everybody to get the best team on the field. I've always said that. With that said, what are the rules? The rules are what is negotiated between the Players Association and the owners. Okay. So let's go back to a football example, Le'Veon Bell. I've said it a million times. Did the Steelers do something, quote, wrong by franchising Le'Veon Bell twice? Technically, no. Le'Veon's Bell, Le'Veon Bell's complaint is not only with the Steelers, but a primary complaint has to be with his union. Their union said yes to being franchised twice. They negotiated it. They gave it the thumbs up. So the Steelers take advantage of the rule. You could talk about the ethics of it, the spirit of it, whatever. But the rule is there. And the Players Association said yes. I'm telling you, if if you're allowed one, one franchise year instead of two, I don't think the owners are walking away from the table over that issue. But your own Players Association agreed to it. Your complaint should be with your union because... It opened the door for you to be in this spot. Same story with this. Part of the issue that the players should have is with themselves. This service time issue is something that when you negotiate it, X amount of time, whatever, look, you need to have it put in there that unless... That it counts as a full year based on what time you're called up. You're called up in September? Nah, it's not a full year. Okay? But players like Kalenic and Gilbert, whom I just referenced, do you know what the minimum amount of time in the minor leagues 
they have to be there to push free agency back a year? 15 days. That's it. 15 days in the minors. And you lose a whole year. Sorry, that's not how it should work. Now, several teams have opted not to manipulate service time. Pete Alonso of the Mets never had his service time manipulated. Fernando Tatis Jr., who just signed the 14-year contract for $340 million with the Padres, never had his service time manipulated. So, the service time thing is something that's always bothered me. It's you know with everybody. When you sit there, you know what bothers me more than anything else? The fans. That's who I'm bothered for. You're paying good money. They want you to buy season tickets. They want to buy tickets, and they're keeping their better players someplace else, playing it, playing a financial game. Hey. I'm sorry, but see that person sitting right there? The more you pull stuff like this, the more they look at you and say, Really? You want me to pay all this money and you won't bring up with a guy? I got to wait weeks to see the guy that may be worth me seeing? It's another case where, I mean, this doesn't happen in the NFL or the NBA, and it doesn't happen in the NHL. And you get drafted in the NFL, you're ready, they can't wait to play you. You're drafted in the NBA, you can play, they can't wait to play you. NHL, they can't wait to play you. Major League Baseball, they wait. And they wonder why the game is not on solid footing like it was back in the 50s and the 60s. Because too many games are played like that. I broadcast games for a living. I don't like people playing games. And in baseball... There are too many people playing games. And it's something where there has to be a better relationship between owners and management. Although I don't, you know, although I'm not big on this, like the NBA, well, we're really a partnership. No, you're not a partnership. The owner puts the owner's the one that puts the financial risk out there. Okay? Guess what? What's your financial risk? I mean, last year the NBA lost billions of dollars. Players didn't lose billions of dollars. The owners did. So it happens when you take a financial risk. You're not partners. Despite what the players think they are. The league did not collapse when Michael Jordan retired. The league did not collapse when Shaq retired. It didn't collapse when Kobe retired. It didn't collapse when Tim Duncan retired. It didn't collapse when Larry and Magic retired. It didn't collapse when Wilt and Russell retired. 
kept turning over, turning over, turning over, and the franchises kept getting more valuable, more valuable, more valuable, up until Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers for $2 billion. But you're still the one when you're, quote, the owner, you're the one that takes all the financial risk. The player wants to negotiate the best contract possible, and their level of play is their financial risk. All right, we'll take a break. Great to have you with us on the show today. Thanks to Mike Carmen, Lafayette Journal Courier, who joined us in the 3.30 half hour, and to Jeff Byers, who joined us in the previous half hour. As we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. So, the CBS.com Ryan Wilson did a mock draft. And in the mock draft, he has the Eagles picking at number six, taking offensive lineman Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. Uh, I don't know. I Well... I can't comment on the prospect itself because I'm not. I don't know a whole lot about him. I, but I would like. I would like good, that in, in that spot. I'll give it that. Good, uh, good player. By the way, he uh, he can play all five spots in the offensive line. You can put him at center. You mm. can put him at tackle. I mean, he actually can do all that. So. Well, then I guess it wouldn't be a bad choice then. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm just curious in that mock draft. Where does he have Petty Sewell? Uh, third overall. Okay, so he's off the board already. Uh, going to the Cincinnati Bengals. He's got uh, first pick Lawrence, second pick Zach Wilson to the Jets, Penny Sewell, Bengals, Justin Fields to Carolina, Jamar Chase to the Dolphins. He's got the first Alabama receiver off the board is Jalen Waddell. He's got wow. Micah Par- he's got Micah Parsons going ninth to Denver. He has got Mac Jones going 13th to the Steelers. He's got your guy, Devontae Smith, going 14th to the Minnesota Vikings. I'll be a little surprised if he still drops that much. I know there's a lot of talk about that, that he could drop to like as far as 20. I think that's absurd, but absurd things have happened in the draft. But I guess, again, not knowing a whole lot about this guy from Northwestern. I would think that's a lot of talent the Eagles are passing on to go for this guy. Although it is a position of need, I think there's better talent there that they can take at six. 
Patrick Sertan of Alabama, the Cardinals at 16. Rondale Moore, Purdue to Washington at 19. Najee Harris to Miami at 21. Jason Owe to Tennessee at 22. Let's see. Davion Nixon, Iowa going to Cleveland. And let's see here. And Travis Etienne to Tampa Bay at 32. I would just add to the fray in that backfield. Somebody would get released. The yeah. And then it gets to round two, and it, the, the only thing he said about the Eagles is that this is where they start fouling it up. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, I, I'm confused. That sounds about right. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. But I thought you'd be interested in that. It is interesting. Thank you for sharing. You're... you're I thought it would be something that you would find some interest in. Uh, it's something else for you to go home tonight, get mad about. <laughs> You're going to take an offensive lineman I never heard of. Lisa, how accurate is that impersonation? Luke! Well, I almost woke him up when the Luke, Cowboys took C.D. Lamb last year. <laughs> Luke, who's Rashad Slater? <laughs> oh, wait, that was suit light. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. So I guess the suit did wrestling over the weekend, huh? He did. He made it through. Made the trek out to Clearfield and made it back in one piece. Well, I guess the chief went with him, right? Yes, the chief went with him as a second pair of eyes, in his words. No, which chief saw everything that was going on. <laughs> Kept writing notes. Uh, Kevin, uh, he's on his back. He lost. What? one of the rules <laughs> if you can count the ceiling tiles you didn't win <laughs> but Steve Williams our man will be back as of now next week good He's from Altoona uh, yeah no, what Northwest Regionals correct yeah and then there's the new Super Regionals after that which is essentially the first two rounds I believe of states then states well the uh Actually, I've done the I, many, many, many years ago. I did the Northwest Regionals. The great fly fisherman, legendary Joe Humphreys. He and I did a lot of wrestling matches together over the years. Penn State, Northwest Regionals, for years. Well, I think the world of him. They really do. And does he ever know people? Oof. Bob Knight loved him. Vice President Dick Cheney loved him. I remember I met Cheney once, and yeah, we're just staying there. And he said, I just got done fly fishing. I said, You didn't fly fish with Joe Humphreys, did you? Now it opened up 45 minutes of conversation about <laughs> Joe. Seriously. 
That's awesome. Hi, this is Season from Purdy Insurance. 2021 has begun, and this is the perfect time to make sure you're protecting what matters most. Whether it be you, your family, or your business, we have the experience and knowledge you need to help navigate through the process. Our office remains available to service our new and current clients by phone at 570-286-5855, by email, and by appointment. Purdy Insurance, what can we do for you?